Bleeders was hopping Sunday night. I tried not to be too obvious as I adjusted the black wig on my head and leaned into Collins, pretending to feed from his neck as a bouncer paused at the parted curtains before our table. Collins tensed, fingers squeezing into his thighs. The scent of salty sweat mingled with his cologne and a vein above his collarbone throbbed. I couldn't tell any more if it was out of fear or anticipation. He was extra skittish since the coffin lock trial incident at the Bat Cave, the one and only time I'd bitten him. It's clear, he hissed under his breath, urging me away. The peach fuzz along his neck stood at attention and goosebumps spread down his arms. You could have sat this one out. I crossed my legs, causing the latex pants I wore to squeak in protest. The techno-goth disguise was extreme compared to my usual wardrobe, but at Bleeders, I fit right in. Colin's dress slacks and green button-down shirt had drawn more attention than my casual Elvira getup. <laughs> I don't think so, Collins snorted and lifted an eyebrow at me. When I sit out on your little side missions, you're not very forthcoming with the findings. I diverted my gaze back to the part in the curtains. He was right. I hadn't spilled my guts about everything, but it was for his own good. At least, that's what I tried to convince myself. Collins still thought my sire was the late Pablo Zahalbo. It was a convenient cover that Roman had put together, though if anyone up top found out, the broody half-sired stood more to lose than just his career. Roman's potential scion was his ex and the new captain of the St. Louis Division of Blood Vice, Vanessa Serrano. The betrayal could very well end that arrangement, and then the 50 years Vanessa's blood had kept at bay would creep in on Roman in a matter of weeks. I couldn't let that happen. I wanted to be honest with Collins, but the risk was too great. My anxiety was not soothed in the least by the lifeblood bond Roman and I shared. We'd been working together for a month now, and just keeping my hands off him was torture. We hadn't crossed any definite lines. Yet. We weren't sharing blood or even a bed, but after our tryst in the art gallery at the Queen's All Hallows' Eve Ball, resisting him had become damn near impossible. It wasn't love. I wasn't stupid enough to believe that. Vampire biology was a new concept to me, but I was keenly aware of my weakness to it, and I refused to be led around by my pheromones. Roman seemed to struggle with the same problem in my presence, which only added fuel to my desire. Lust was a blade, double-edged with heaven and hell. If I thought about it too long, I lost sight of everything else. So I tried to push Roman out of my mind as I waited for Mandy to return with the last lead we had on Scarlet, the side job Collins was none too thrilled to be participating in. The current case we were officially assigned to was Ursula, the estranged duchess suspected of murdering her sire Morgan, the former princess of House Lilith. The Duke wanted us to bring her in. There was an official trial in the works, or so I'd heard. Ursula was also Scarlet's and Raphael's sire. I imagined she was every bit as evil as they were, though her case file seemed to suggest she was simply negligent. The runaway duchess had been ordered to create a scion rather than requesting to make one herself. She'd been romantically involved with Morgan and in no big hurry, but the royal family was ready to grow. She'd relented and created two scions instead, hoping they would entertain each other so she could maintain her focus on the princess. Scarlet and Raphael had entertained each other, all right. Their notoriety was known by everyone I'd interviewed since joining Blood Vice. The royal family had not been pleased by the duo's antics. 
So the queen had ordered Morgan to create a second scion. Jealousy. That was the only motive I could find for Ursula to murder her sire. She'd disappeared immediately after, and Scarlet and Raphael had been exiled for their own crimes. They were wanted now, too, but that case had been assigned to someone else, someone who was in no big hurry to face off with the psychotic baroness and her loyal lapdog brother the Baron, who everyone seemed to believe was still alive. So here I was, nosing around in a vampire club where I'd made the blacklist. Hence the wig. The club lights zipped overhead like a caffeinated constellation. The rainbow of colors faded at the top edge of the black curtains enclosing the booth, and I could feel the bass of the dance music vibrating through the bench Collins and I sat on. Right here! Mandy's voice trickled through the cacophony of laughter and electronic beats. The curtains parted, and Lydia appeared inside the small booth. She'd updated her club attire by a few decades, 